You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome to the PHNX Coyotes podcast, brought to you by the one and only DraftKings Sportsbook app, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Don't forget to hit that like button, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, and leave us a five-star review. I'm Leah Merrill here with Steve Peters and Craig Morgan, and after one day of the three of us being back together, we decided... That was enough. that, let's do it. Let's <laughs> yeah, not was, be together anymore. Yeah, one day too many. <laughs> but how's everyone doing today? Yeah, how are you doing, Petey? I'm fine. I'm fine. Here we go. Got a little, saw a little horse today. I don't know what's going on. But well, Yesterday was so fun, a, though. I just got out of a one-hour pre-operation tutorial with the Mayo Clinic, and that that was interesting. That was interesting. What, what, and, and, and no offense, like I've had surgery before. Like, what the hell do you have to prep for? You just show up, they knock you out. It's their problem to prep. I'm like, what do you do? You just Pretty lay there. much, but they're like, there's like these special soaps that you have to use a few days before the surgery. <laughs> uh, they talk to you about prepping your house, like removing tripping obstacles. <laughs> what? I don't normally have tripping obstacles in my house. It's not like it's an obstacle course that I suddenly have to change when I come home. They try to avoid that. Yeah. It was some really bizarre stuff. I, I won't even get into the more uh, gross stuff that they talked about. <laughs> yeah, Craig sent me some. So, how long is the recovery of this? Like, like it's outpatient surgery. You're in and out. You fix your hip. You go. Yep. I'll be on. I'll probably be like on a walker for for a couple of weeks. So I may be doing <laughs> remote shows. And you know, oh, bullshit. That it, so you know, I can we can probably do like you know how we do with the elevator, Sean. We can probably do instead a walk up with me on the walker. That is just you moving really slowly toward the screen. Yeah, also, if Craig, you're in a walker, you have to come in. You've got yeah, to go to the screen. Craig, on a conveniently, wire. your surgery. I I actually don't really know when your surgery is, but conveniently, it sounds to be around the time that we're moving to a brand new office, which requires all hands on deck, everybody helping out. And you, yeah, oh no, surprise. surgery was scheduled before the uh, move, so I. <laughs> No way you can tie those two together, uh, you know, unless, of course, I had sources, which I might have had. Yeah. I can't reveal them, though. Oh, oh, oh my gosh. gosh. Well, yesterday was so fun um, being at Four Peaks and doing our show from there and talking to Bob McKenzie and toasting Bob McKenzie at 11 in the morning. Um, so if anyone here listening has, hasn't watched that show yet, um, give it a listen uh, wherever your podcasts are on the YouTube channel. It was a really, really great interview, and I love that how humble – he is like he I associate Bob McKenzie with, you know, all this draft knowledge and being an insider. And he was like, I don't know anything like <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> he wasn't trying to be something he's not. So I really enjoyed that a lot. No thoughts. Look at the crickets oh, there. He's leaving me hanging. <laughs> I, love Cricket. Bob. I mean, I, I, I expressed it all on Twitter and yesterday as well. I mean, he's just a. He's a legend. The thing I love about Bob, a couple of things. First of all, you, you heard it yesterday. If he doesn't know, he's not going to pretend. He's not going to extrapolate. He's just going to say, I don't know, <laughs> which is what I wish would happen more in this industry. But beyond that, Bob's so humble. And for a guy that is as accomplished as him and has is so widely respected in this industry, that's a really nice quality to have. Absolutely. It was just fun. It, it just shows like how... how like there, we've had all the draft experts from North America on over the last few weeks. That's how big a deal this is for Arizona. And all of them were gracious enough to spend their time talking about it because they know how important it is here in Arizona, how important the draft is here. So it was great. It's another good show. And now 
the closer we get to the draft, I'm more confused than ever on what the hell is going to happen next Thursday. I mean, I've locked myself into Logan Cooley. It's going to be Logan Cooley. It might not be. So stay tuned. I think that's going to make a lot more exciting next Thursday from uh, 4 p.m. Yeah. Well, and we'll get into some of the conflicting draft rankings on tomorrow's show. But before we get into everything, and I know everyone came here because Sean Burke um, is our guest today. We'll get to that in just a little bit. I promise you, um, we, Craig and Petey talked to Sean Burke already. So we'll roll that interview in just a little bit. But a couple of Coyotes notes to get to. The first of which, Clayton Keller appears... To be back on the ice skating, according to the Arizona Coyotes Instagram and Clayton Keller's own personal Instagram story. So that's really great to see that he's back on the ice already and it's June and still four months from actual season play. So it seems like he's on a really, really great track. Yeah, I know a lot of people had expected him to be on the ice maybe a little sooner than that. He had. He set our expectations, of course, by by saying at breakup day that he thought he could be on the ice in three weeks. But I think they took a cautious approach. But that's that's not to say that they are concerned in any way about Clayton Keller's recovery from all the people that I've talked to. It's going really well. He is still ahead of schedule and looking very, very good to be ready for next season. Yeah, and for after the season he had last year, like he's going to be an important piece of what happens offensively for this team um, going forward, especially you know starting off at the new building. Uh, great sign. I mean, you saw that injury, and you're like, oh my goodness, like this could this could drag into into the preseason, into the regular season fairly easily. But to, to have him up and on skates before the first of July, I think that's a it's a great sign. I mean, I, I can't imagine he's not up in a hundred percent and and no notice of the injury by the time they get started. The biggest issue for me on those kind of injuries is how is he going to go into the boards and retrieve pucks when the season starts? Is he going to be able to dig out pucks with the defenseman coming up behind him? Is there going to be that little apprehension? You've seen it with other players that have those kind of horrific injuries. <clears throat> is there someone coming behind me? What am I? Those are the things I'm more worried about than the physical. Is, is the emotional going to affect him? Yep. So we'll see what happens there, but uh, regardless, great progress to see. And the NHL season doesn't start till October, but we're actually already a little under three months away from getting back on the ice because the Coyotes officially announced their preseason schedule today. Um, and they'll be playing their first preseason game on September 24th. So the official countdown to hockey returning begins now. And the Coyotes will be playing against the Blues, the Ducks twice, the Stars the Golden Knights, and the Vancouver Canucks. Who so, built that graphic? Uh, the Coyotes. Uh, that was a great graphic. Yep. I, thought, I thought deep Sean DePaz did that early. No, we will not take credit, but the fact that you thought it was, I guess. I thought it was Sean because it just came out. Like, it just got released. And I was going to say, wow, that's, he, like, he turned that around very quick. Yeah. He could add you can give me credit if you want to. I think a notable thing on here is there's no games, <laughs> there's no in, games in, in Phoenix. There the is one game area. in Tucson. Yeah, they had, they had announced the games in Wichita and Tucson and Tulsa and, and even the game in Anaheim previously. Um, but yeah, they can't play any home games because the multipurpose arena at ASU will not be ready for any home games at that time of year. So they're they're just going to play them all on the road. I, I, I There's a side of me that really wants to go to these games in Wichita. I'm just going to say, let's go. Let's pack up PHNX road trip. The preseason game still, that's the thing. It's oh, still a preseason game, so it's it's meaningless. You know, like half the squad may not be there. It, I don't know. I'll I'll go to the game in Tucson. The we Tucson all one is super Tucson. realistic. We should yeah, go the Tucson there. one. Which Down one the I ten. Yep. Which go to El Charo again. The Stars game is in Tucson. Is that uh, no? traffic back Tucson. Up. Yep, there it is. It, oh, the Anaheim uh, Duck game is in Tucson, Sunday. September twenty fifth, Sunday. Well, yeah. Oh, a Sunday. Yeah. A Sunday at two. Let's go. Sunday at two. Oh, we're in. I'm in. Little El Charo action. Sure. Can can we start prepping that live? Can we do a show there? Sure. Totally is, is, is that asking a little bit much? <laughs> Three months in advance. I don't know. I'm just, it's fun. We can go no, to Wichita's 21 hour drive. Everyone I'm at in. PHNX knows that we're the, the over planning beat. So <laughs> let's, get, know, let's, let's start planning let's now. Let's plan that trip to Tucson three months ahead of time on a Sunday. And Craig can already, Craig's already put the order in for, for um, his. Mexican lunch. <laughs> yeah, sure. just like you pre-ordered your Uber for next Thursday at the drop. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. No, that's it's you know what? These preseason schedules, these preseason games are incredibly important. 
sometimes they get overlooked because you know what they're one they're not here but they get overlooked because they're they're crammed in tight and and they're in you know, let's be honest, people don't really watch preseason hockey, but they're important for the guys that are trying to make the team. They're important to trace and track development of players that that the, the organization has been watching potentially for years. I mean, uh, Dylan Gunther, this is going to be an incredibly huge um, training camp and preseason games. It's important. Like, it's, it's, is he up to speed? Can he play in the NHL? Is he a guy that can make the team? I think those kind of decisions all come out of this. And, you know, I, I think this is where Veggie started to shine. It was in last year's um, preseason games, a guy that wasn't on the radar, nobody was thinking about, all of a sudden not only makes the team, signs a three-year contract and becomes the starting goalie by the end of the year. Like, training camp's a big deal, and these preseason games are a big deal, and I, and I know we'll be dialed right in by the time that they start rounding out the rosters to, to put in those games. Absolutely. It's fun to already start thinking about hockey, even though – it's but June it? and we still have to do the draft and free agency and then just nothingness for a couple months. But we'll still be here five days a week talking Coyotes hockey. Um, and we're going to get to Sean Burke in just a little bit. But wrapping up, kind of putting a bow on the playoffs mm. after the playoffs end and after the final ends, it comes all the injuries come out, all the injuries that all the players on each team, not just Tampa Bay, but each team. We're playing through some of them here. Um, I mean, obviously, Kadri had a broken thumb. Kemper had to go to an optometrist two to three times a day to retrain his eye during the playoffs. Um, there was a broken foot, a broken sternum, an abdominal tear. And then on the Tampa Bay side, Point was playing through a significant quad tear that he got in Toronto. McDonough had a mangled finger. Paul had a sh- shoulder AC joint sprain. Kucherov, MCL sprain Sorelli shoulder and AC joint sprain etc the list goes on you can find it all online but it's just absolutely unbelievable um, to see what players are playing through and it kind of brings up the question that um, Craig initially brought up to us but what do you guys think about this you know there's there's always been that warrior culture in hockey and you know a, a guy gets hit in the mouth with a puck, loses eight teeth, and is back in the next shift. Whereas, you know, you see some other sports that aren't quite like that. <laughs> so, um, basketball and soccer, I'll just call them out. You have the magic spray that so- somehow takes away the pain in soccer, you know, all, all the flopping that goes on. Yeah, but there's this warrior culture in hockey, and players feel like they need to or want to, you know, play through those injuries. So, kind of want to ask the question what do you? guys think about this do you think that it's a good thing a bad thing like just what is everyone what is everyone thoughts on this pd you're on the inside i want you to go first on this one you were a coach you saw it from the inside well first of all i'm going to start with what what lee said about the teeth if you haven't gone to the espn plus app and seen the originals called smile it's a 10 minute movie on hockey players losing their teeth that is absolutely frightening on how many (laughs) the percentage of hockey players that have lost at least one tooth while playing it's it's Anyway, it's a, it's a thing you should watch. This is hard for me because there's a fine line, and, and there are a couple things you have to take into account. One, can the player get hurt worse? Is there anything that's going to make this worse? And if the answer is no, then he can move on to the next step. Then we're just talking about managing pain. Well, then, okay, can he deal with the pain? Then it becomes, is he an effective hockey player? And that's the biggest question that sometimes is hard to answer. Like Nazim Kadri, you look at him with his thumb injury, he should not have been playing hockey yet, but an emotional leader, a veteran player that can play at what? I, I, I'll give a percentage. I'll say it's 70%, 60% of what he normally can play. Do you think that was valuable for the Colorado Avalanche? 100%. Like he was the MVP of the first game that he comes back. It's the game winning goal in overtime. Absolutely. He needs to come back. I look at what happened here in Arizona, go back way back in the way back machine with Jeremy Roanick when he got injured um, by Hatcher. Yeah, when he shattered his jaw prior to the St. Louis Blues series. And at the time, Kyrie's got three to one in the series. And you go, okay, we don't need him. Like, let him rest and maybe in the next round. we. Well, it came to game seven. And it was, how can we get Jr. on the ice? Like, what can we do? Like, he's a, he's one of the best offensive players on the team. His one goal might make the difference in this game even if he is not playing at 100%, can it help us get through this game? So he plays, and he wasn't the, he wasn't Jeremy Roanoke. I mean, Jeremy Roanoke, people know he's a battler, and he dives in the corners, and he all all in 100%. He couldn't play like that. He had a wired jaw from weeks before. He yeah, shouldn't have been playing. No, yeah, he, he was the, constantly clearing it out on the bench, as he said. 
And the, the equipment staff had to come up with a, a specially designed helmet that was part football, part hockey. But the, the coaching staff and management staff thought that the emotional lift and the offensive side w- was enough to get him in the lineup. The problem is when there's a player that's fully healthy, 100% healthy, that may be an American leaguer or, or, or an extra player in the National Hockey League that's ready to play, can he bring you more than the injured NHL player? And I think that what's need to be weighed. The biggest issue for me, Craig, and you could take it after this, is 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 there an issue with injuring that player more? Can they get hurt more? Yeah. I got a lot of thoughts on this. Um, first of all, just going back to the, this notion of a, a warrior culture, it, it certainly exists in hockey. Um, I think it's an expectation for fans, uh, many of whom, you know, you hear a lot of fans talking about the forgive me, but the wussification of the sport with some of the rules changes, it drives me nuts. Cause like, buddy, have you ever been on the ice? Have you ever dealt with any of the things that these players are dealing with? So just shut up until you've actually walked the walk. But beyond that, I think there's an expectation for the players. Now the, the culture is so ingrained now. And it, it's almost like you become this God, this hero. If you do play through some crazy injury, and we've seen so many of them in the past that I'm not sure it's easy for a player to say, yeah, I can't go. I can't go. I shouldn't do this. I think they they almost err to the other side. I think they do err to the other side in playing through some things that they probably shouldn't play for. Petey, you mentioned whether they can help the team or not. That is, that's difficult to measure because what does the emotional lift give them? But the other thing that I think about, even if you're not injuring the thing worse right now, what about stuff that becomes chronic? And what are they doing to manage the pain with these painkillers? Does all of that become a bigger issue down the road for these players? I don't even think that players can make a fully informed decision about these, these choices in the moment because they don't know what's coming down the road. And I don't think the doctors really know either or can lay all of that out. I've, I've seen a, a bunch of players weigh in on this, you know, talking about the painkillers and what comes after their career because they've dealt with this sort of stuff all along. I wonder about that as well. It's almost like we've created a culture where there is no choice for the player, but to play through that. And I don't know, there's a side of me that thinks it's insane. It's, it's amazing to watch the NHL playoffs. It's amazing to hear what these guys endure to win the cup. And I know winning the cup means a lot, but man, I I do question the long-term effects. I don't want to spend too much time on it, but you're right, Craig. It's become the pressure to play as a warrior is absolutely there. Wow. A coach may say, or a management or a staff. Well, yeah. Remember this guy, well, he played with this Wait, This guy should be able to play with that. Or I know a guy that did this, or I played with this. Like, why isn't he playing? Teammates can say that. Well, I had this. Why can't he do that? Yeah. 100% that exists. And the pressure to play when you maybe shouldn't, yeah, it's absolutely there. And, and hockey, unlike any other sport, the expectation is, hey, he just took a puck to the head. He lost two teeth. He got 16 stitches. Well, why isn't he back on the ice? Like, who cares? Like, how long is it taking him to get stitched up? Let's go. And and that, swear, is the mentality. I've, I've been in coaches' rooms where somebody has been hurt, and they go, why isn't he back out here yet? Like, where, where is he? Well, he's getting stitches. and well, Yeah, so get him out here. 100% that exists in hockey. And, and the, the expectation is if you're hurt, you play. You, if you hurt, you play. It, it's two feet from your heart. Keep going. Let's go. And, mm-hmm. you know, is it I, – I don't think that culture is going to change, and maybe that makes the hockey players a little tougher. And I, 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 I saw in the, in, seen in interviews, yeah, you know what? It was all worth it. I won the cup. But a lot of guys didn't. You know, I won the cup, and I lost this or I had broken that, or I'll rehab now or I'll get surgery next week. Yeah, you're right, Craig. Is that, are they shooting it up? Are they getting a shot? Yeah, I've seen guys get that. I've seen guys get shots before every game in the playoffs. Can't walk, yeah. can't get to the hotel, can't get from the bus to the room. Can't tie their own skates. Nope. Get a shot, they're out there playing. And you're like, oh, my God. Can barely – yeah, it, it, 100% I've seen it. And I've seen it in Arizona. I've seen it in the first round. Forget the finals. Like, I've seen guys do this in the first round. Like, i got to play. So I don't think it's something that's going to change anytime soon. I think that gives, you know, a little badge of honor to anybody that's ever played the game of hockey. That, yeah, hockey players are tougher. So – you know, you just hope and pray for the players that there's no long-term injuries, no long-term effects, no long-term things from taking these medications or getting these shots and so on and so on. But it's nothing that's going to change anytime soon, especially now as it's so publicized now from this cup specifically, the pictures of the horrific injuries that guys played through. So I hate to say it too. I, I wonder if, if changing it would even impact the marketability of the game or the viewership of the game. 
which is crazy to talk about. But like like I said, there's this segment of the audience that that thinks that this absolutely should be part of it, even though they've never done it themselves. Drives me crazy. I wonder if it would impact the sellability of the game, which is just crazy to talk about. But anyway, yeah. we we can move on. <laughs> I, I also think of the that whole campaign, like because it's the cup and it's like all the sacrifices that you make. And I think yeah. just to, you know, kind of echo what you both have already said, I think there really is a fine line um, in terms of, you know, like being pushed to come back and have it be the expectation and then, you know, actually taking care of yourself. Braden Point tried to come back and then after... I think it was one or two games that like, okay, let's not just can't go. Yeah. yeah. So there, there is that a little bit of that. And you can imagine these players, like, you know, they've been fighting their whole lives to be in this position. So I can understand why that exists. And there is a part of that that's really admirable. And it's what I really do like about hockey. And it's such a team oriented sport. And, you know, everyone's always saying we, and they just, it's not even about them. It's about being there for the team. So I think, if you can find the balance of, you know, that it, you're, you can do it. Like if you want to go back in, you can go back in, but not what PD was saying where a coach is like, well, where is he if he's injured? You know, like that, you know, there needs to kind of be a little bit more of a balance. And if Kadri feel is like a hundred percent consenting to, I know my thumb is broken, but like, I will, I'll play no matter what you say. Like that's one thing. But if he, if players are being pushed to go in when they necessarily might not be able to stand up for themselves or say no because they feel the pressure from the management or the coaches or their teammates like that's the issue for me I, the last thing i'll put a little asterisk on this too i don't think there's a medical staff or an nhl doctor that's going yeah you can go and play like they, they have to be medically cleared by a professional before they can go play um so there are there the pain threshold is one thing but there's if somebody's going to be injured worse or it's not quite ready, there's a doctor and there are mechanisms in place to protect the player. I don't want the PA calling our, our show. Now, having said that, there is still that push internally for players to play when maybe emotionally, physically, they still are under a lot of pain that the pressure is to play. But I don't think there are medical people in place to make sure that players are not getting back when they can hurt themselves desperately. Yep. And you just never want it to get to a place where it's affecting people's mental health and you don't want the warrior culture we've already seen how the warrior culture can affect people's mental health and i think the game has taken a lot of strides in the right direction to try and shift that but um, that's still a huge aspect as well so we'll table that discussion it's going to it's ongoing this will you know it's not going to change anytime soon but just you know always an interesting debate when it comes to the game of hockey and playoffs um, we kind of mentioned it earlier, the NHL draft rankings have been all over the place. Like I said, we'll get to it more tomorrow. Um, but yesterday, we, as we were talking about McKenzie and after our show, Saul, our GM, said, are there odds on DraftKings yet for the first pick or NHL draft picks? And I was like, oh, no, there's nothing yet. Saul literally emails DraftKings. I'm not even kidding you. Within five minutes, there's odds on DraftKings right now for first overall pick draft position for certain players. So now one week out one week from today's NHL draft, you can start putting money on the NHL draft. Who you think is going to go first overall, who um, is going to, you know, move positions based on all these rankings. And the crazy thing is these rankings are all over the place. So you really don't know. So you can actually probably get some bargains um, on the DraftKings Sportsbook app when it comes to betting on the NHL draft. So throwing it out there, take a look. You don't have to do anything yet, but um, that's something you can bet on, which is awesome on the DraftKings Sportsbook app. And also this weekend is UFC 276, and there's a ton of ways to come out on top in the octagon. And there's one more with the DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of UFC. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code PHNX, bet $5 on any UFC 276 fighter to win and get $100 in free bets no matter what. That's code PHNX this Saturday at DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of UFC. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. And uh, the reason we talked to Sean Burke today is because he just accepted a new role with the Vegas Golden Knights, and he will be returning to his position as director of goaltending. Is that his title? It is, yep. Um, and Coyotes fans obviously are familiar with Sean Burke as a former Coyote goalie himself, but also the former Coyote goalie coach who had really positive impacts on 
players like Ilya Brzgalov and Devin Dubnik and more. So Craig and Petey, yeah, so Craig and Petey got to sit down with him yesterday and talk to him about all of that and more. So without further ado, let's send it over to Sean Burke. So let's bring in our special guest, um, a former Coyote goaltender, goalie coach, and Craig, you got to help me with the title. Craig's the title guy. You were, you had a lot of titles, actually. You were assistant GM <laughs> here. You were director of player development. You were the goaltending coach. And, of course, you had that a couple of remarkable seasons in goal, too, where I think you finished third in Vezina Trophy voting and fourth in the Hart Trophy voting in 2001-2. So Sean Burke has deep roots in the state of Arizona and the city of Phoenix. Berkey, thanks for joining us. Uh, congrats on the new role with the Vegas Golden Knights as their director of goaltending. I got to ask you off the top, what drew you back into goaltending after being away in, in multiple other roles, including as GM of Team Canada? Well, I do, I, yeah, I don't know that I ever got that far uh, away from it. First, you know, first of all, thank you. Um, good to be uh, talking to you guys. Uh, had a lot of great memories in Arizona. You mentioned the roles and uh, all my time there in any role was enjoyable. So uh, deep roots in Arizona and uh, definitely some enjoyable times. But um, yeah, the goaltending part of it has has been sort of around everything I've done anyway even when I was the GM with Team Canada I, I went on the ice sometimes and worked with the goalies and uh, you know in Montreal my last stop last year I was there full-time uh, last season I was on the bench in the playoffs I was on the ice this year this past season I, I stepped away again and went back and worked out of Arizona more of a personal thing just family wise and being around more but uh, the goaltending side of it has always been a part of the roles, no matter what I was doing. This role is, is, is relatively new, the, the title director of goaltending. We've seen some guys do it. Mitch Korn did it, of course. I think Dan Cloutier uh, did it in Vancouver a little earlier. Brian Decord had it here for a season. To me, and I, I want to get your thoughts on this, to me this is finally a signal that the NHL – is taking such a critical position more seriously. Uh, what does this title mean for you? Because it seems to encompass a, a much bigger role than simply just being the coach. Yeah, I think you're right. We always, and, and everybody in hockey always says the same thing, goaltending is the most important position. But then the next uh, sentence usually comes out of a general manager's mouth is he knows nothing about goaltending. And uh, I think what teams are finally realizing and watching the playoffs this year and every year is uh, it's it's not only a huge part of the game it, it comes down to that a lot of the time and this role for me um, you know I think what it really means is that you're going to have a department in your organization that focuses on your goaltending the drafting of it the scouting of it when you're going to make a trade you want to have your depth list. You want to have your your uh, your scouts updating your list so that it's not a last-minute thing. It's not a panic move. Uh, you really are on top of the goaltending from the minute you draft a kid till the minute he steps into your, your net at the NHL level and all the steps along the way. And I think as the director, that means putting the right people in place. It means having good scouting, uh, good development, and uh, and people in your organization who are invested in the goaltending. Sean, uh, as I mentioned earlier, you've, you've held a lot of roles uh, around the hockey world. You've been a GM for Team Canada. You've been an assistant GM for, for an NHL franchise. You've been a goalie coach. You've been a goalie. You've been a scout. You've done all of these things. So how do those multiple perspectives help you in this role? I think it's really just an appreciation of how all the parts of an organization work. You know, I, I never really did appreciate pro scouting until I did it and uh and how you know important it is at times and every role is important but but until you do it until you're out there on the road until you got the boots on the ground you don't really understand the roles so I'm not sure that you know my role now uh I couldn't do it without having done some of the other roles but I think when you get in the meetings when you get around the round table with people you do have an understanding and appreciation for how, how all the roles work and how important it is to include everybody. Um, scouts spend a lot of time watching games. They're on the road. They're at every, uh, they're at a game every night. So, you know, to not think that they see a lot of things you don't see would, would, would just be a mistake. And, uh, 
And so I like to be inclusive. I think in this role, I have good people already. I have Freddie Brathwaite, who's in Henderson running our American League team. I have Mike Rosati, who was the goalie coach in Las Vegas last year, who's going to go back to Ontario, and he's going to do a lot of scouting for us. He's going to go down to the East Coast League. So the first thing is is just getting people in the right spots and then utilizing them. Sean, you, you look at the Las Vegas Hockey Club, and you know we, we look at from afar here in, in Arizona, and you look at a team that's had a lot of success. They go to the Stanley Cup Finals, but it's also a team that has – let some coaches go. So when you go into this, you have to go in with your eyes wide open. I'm sure the bar is set extremely high in Vegas. Like this is a team they expect to win. So when you go into this organization and you look at what they have in their goaltending depth, what do you see from the Vegas Golden Knight perspective? Well, the first thing is I, I want to be in an organization that wants to win. And, and every organization says it, but not every organization is at that point where they can really execute that. And, uh, and Vegas is. I mean, they've probably had a little bit of overachieving early. I think we'd all agree that nobody, including them, expected to get off to the start they did when the franchise first got off the ground. But in the last couple of years, they've gone out and tried to do anything they possibly can to give themselves a chance to win. And so that's where they are right now. They're in that window. I don't know if it's a two-year window, a three-year window, but I do know that they're in that window right now where they're going to do anything they think they need to do to be successful. And I, and I like that. I want to be in an organization like that. So that's, for me, stepping in. Their goaltending is an area that I can focus on. That's my job. I'm going to stay, obviously, in that lane and work extremely hard to make sure that the Vegas goaltending uh, situation is stable. It's as good as we can get it. And so that when the team steps on the ice every night, uh, goaltending is not the issue. Yeah, and you look at a team last year that it was, again, you talk about the preseason polls. It's a team that everybody expected to be on top of the Pacific Division. Unfortunately, as many teams, they go through, it was a tough year. They had injuries early. They had injuries to key players, that, and, and it just didn't end up being the season they hoped for. You get everybody back healthy. You come and start fresh and clean with a goaltender that some say you know can be the top in the Pacific division, do you think there's things that you can still help a guy along through that path? Do you have things because you've been there that you think you can help Robin Lehner achieve that next level? I do think so. And he's been a very successful guy in the league. So this isn't a case of going in with some magic formula or going in and working with a guy that's never touched that level. To me, that's exciting. He knows the level he can play at. He just hasn't in the last couple of years been able to find that consistently. And some of that has been what you said. There's been injuries involved. There's been coaching changes. There's been a number of things uh, that may sound like excuses. But we all know in this game, it's, it's not a linear path. There's things that happen. You have to adjust. Um, and I think for me, the challenge is the exciting part is going in and trying to help our goaltending get to the highest level they can get. Because I really believe that if the goaltending is is really good, that is a team that can win the Stanley Cup. So um, it, it's not just a case of saying, well, you know what, go in there, get the goalies better, try to do what you can. It, it's going to be a huge part of, of that organization. And if it's good, then that could be the difference for them to, to winning. And, and they're, they're close. That's what they've been the last couple of years. They've been close. Berkey, I wanted to ask you about, I'm, I'm not saying, you know, I, I, you know, people call you the goalie whisperer here. <laughs> and I know there's not some secret sauce that you just, you, you have, but you clearly made an impact on several goaltenders while you're here in Arizona, most notably Ilya Bruskalov and Mike Smith. But there were others as well that you helped regain their game. I guess I, I, I got to ask, what is the secret sauce? What is your secret sauce? What do you try to do with these goalies to help them achieve their best? Well, again, it's, yeah, there's no secrets. I, I don't think there's any secrets to winning or being successful. And, and, you know, the game's been around a long time. And I think the formula uh, for winning and being successful has probably been fairly similar through the history of the game. When you break it down to what I do uh, and, and you start talking about a couple guys being the goaltenders, I just try to take my experience. I try to take things I've learned from other people uh, goalie coaches I've had, but but more than anything, I try to make sure that guys understand that there's somebody there for them every day. And you know, it might sound um, a, a little bit uh, novice or 
or, uh, you know, almost uh, like it's not really possible. But the truth is, guys at this level, the greatest, the top league in, in, in the world, they need to be confident. They need a, a pat on the back sometimes. And that's where I start. It's a relationship. It's a, mm. It's getting them to feel that they're going to play at the top level. There's technical things, of course. There's little things, adjustments you work on. Uh, there's getting the Stevie Peters skate save out of the game sometimes. <laughs> yeah, too what, bad stack. Whatever yeah. it takes. But but the reality at the end of the day is there's, I've never played in all the years I've been in the league playing or, or after playing. I've never been around a player who played well if he wasn't confident. So that's the key is getting guys to be confident about their game. It starts with hard work. It starts with the commitment from the player. That I'm not going to go in and be able to do much with anybody if they don't want to make the commitment themselves. But I think at the end of the day, guys understand when they work with me that it's not about me. I'm there for them. I'm there to help them get to the highest level they can. And uh, it's worked well for me so far. And I, I don't really see it changing in Vegas, to be honest. What I've seen, and I, I, I've had the opportunity to see Sean as a player and to develop through all of the rules that we talked about. And one of the things as a player, you got to look at a, at a Sean Burke that came into the National Hockey League very young. And he played a certain way when he played with the New Jersey Devils. When he comes to Arizona, it, tell me if I'm wrong, Sean, you had to reinvent your game a little bit and you had to change the way you played. You were not playing the way you were when you were 18 and 19 years old by the time you played Arizona. And I think that evolution as you as a player has helped you evolve as a coach too, because I, I know you can't change the way a guy plays, but you can also help him see easier ways to play as their career changes. So I think that's what helped lead you to where you are. You, you've you been there. So they have a little bit of trust, and if they trust you, they can go on to do things. So do you think changing the game, even as the player gets older or you know maybe has to change their style a little bit, do you think that that's an important part of goaltending today? Yeah, I, I mean, I call it evolving, right? The game evolves. Um, you know, I I am the first one to admit that when I was traded into Arizona as a player, my game was at the lowest point it was in my career. And I had played 10 years in the league and uh, didn't really understand the game. I got very lucky to get with Benoit Lair at the right time. Um, the credit I give to myself is just that I was open-minded and I was willing right. to learn. And I didn't think because I'd been in the league for 10 years and had a certain amount of success that I was where I needed to be. So that's sort of my experience to players is you got to start by being open-minded and realizing that you can keep learning no matter what success you've had. And if you're willing to do that, um, you have to evolve. The game gets faster. We've all seen the skill level just in the time any of us have been around the game, Think thinking back how much has changed. So as a goaltender, if you're not going to change with that, you're going to get left behind. And uh, and that's that's sort of, to me, where the game has gone. The guys who last have to, at some point, adapt and be willing to say, hey, I, I've got to change a few things. Berkey, I talked about a couple of the people that you impacted that that Coyotes fans will remember. Anilia Briscalov, Mike Smith, of course, Devin Dubnik. I think even Thomas Grice was in that area, too. I first want to ask why, you know, in, in one instance, you were not able to make an impact on Steve Peters' game. <laughs> well, yeah. it started with a size thing. The, when, Pete, when Petey went in the net, I don't know if I've ever seen more net behind a goalie in life. So yeah, that that's why I'm sitting start. here behind a microphone and not in front of a net at five foot 10, 100 nothing. <laughs> Good grief. <laughs> like putting a capital I in the net. <laughs> yeah, Craig. Yeah, you're not much bigger there. It wasn't, a work, it wasn't a work ethic thing, I can tell you that. Of all, of all the guys I've ever been around, Stevie Peters, he could have outworked just about anybody. But I, I got to tell you, he was limited with size and skill, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, that is a fair assessment from a goaltending wizard, and I think that's a fair assessment. But in another day, we're not doing it today because I'm not getting into it, but you and I need to sit down, have a beer, and talk about reverse VH because I cannot stand watching a six foot four goaltender get scored on from the goal line over his shoulder. It drives me absolutely insane. Jerry Seavers would have hit it right in the in the spoked wheel of the B because at five foot ten he would have been standing there taking the shot there. But well that's for another day. The reverse VH. That's a there's but, a time and a place. You bring, up, you bring up a good point is the technical side of the game has changed and not always for the better because you know this game can get too technical at times. And of all the guys you mentioned that were in Arizona, 
the the enjoyable part for me was they were all athletes. Um, yeah. You know, Brizgalov was a big man, good shape. Uh, Mike Smith, we all know why he's still playing because he's a terrific athlete. And Devin Dubnik, for his size, moved well. That, that's the challenge is, you know, getting, getting the balance between the technical and still allowing guys to go out there and be athletes. Because at the end of the day, uh, you know, the technical side of the game is important. But more than anything, it still comes down to working hard, reading the play and, uh, and, and battling out there. And all those guys did a great job of doing that. But I think that's the difference, Sean. And, and, and for me, watching you through this evolution, I've seen in various levels of hockey, I've seen different goalie coaches doing different things. And it's the guys that can not just get inside the crease and go, yeah, move your foot here, move that. But a lot of people can do that. You can read a book to do that. It's the guy that can get inside your head. It's the guy that go, okay, this is how you play the game. This is how you prepare for a game. This is how you, these are little tricks of the trade that mentally will help you get better. And I think for me, with you specifically, that was always the big thing. It, I, I mean, I, I don't want to be simplifying it, but you, somebody can teach a guy how to slide from post to post. That That's a skill and a technique you can teach, but it's the, it's the mental part of the game as a goaltender at this level that separates the good from the great. It's, it's, they all can move around. Some move better than the others. Some are more athletic. But it's the guy that can handle the pressure or can handle the mental aspect of the game or knows how to prepare for three and four and those things that take you over the top. And I, and I do credit you as that's what separates you from other people. You've been there. You understand it. And you understand the mental makeup needed to be good at that role. Well, yeah. And, I mean, I know you guys watch all the playoffs like I did. If you think back to just the L.A. series with Edmonton, I mean, there's two guys playing – they couldn't be more different in their games than Jonathan Quick and Mike Smith. But both of them played very well. Both of them are extremely competitive. One's way more aggressive in Jonathan Quick, who's out. Mike Smith sits back. But the thing they do well is they show up every night and they're consistent in their game. And, uh, you know, that really is not one way to play this game. But you got to get confident and you got to believe in yourself. And uh, at that position, you know, as a goalie coach, you are part psychologist. You are part coach. I mean, that really is is what the role is. And I, I like to, you know, I like guys to realize early on that, again, it's about them. I, I want to help them. I had my day. It was great. I enjoyed it. But now at this stage of the game, for me, I get the most enjoyment of watching those guys be successful. And I, I look back to Devin Dubnik, and I've got great emails from those guys and their parents saying how wonderful it was that, and that, I get a lot of satisfaction that I was able to have a small part in helping those guys have really good careers. And like Mike Smith is still playing, and uh, and I and I feel good about that. Last thing from me, Berkey, and this is switching subjects a little bit, but I know hockey in Arizona to you matters. Of of all the ex Coyotes who aren't actually still employed by the team, I probably have seen you at the rink more than anyone else. Your family's embedded in this hockey community. It's a little bit of a rough road ahead still. We know they're in the in the midst of a rebuild. The arena situation is still ironing itself out. But it looks like there might be some hope on the horizon. I know it matters to you to have hockey in the state. What are your thoughts on everything that's transpiring right now with the Coyotes? Well, the first thing is that I think it's wonderful that the league, Gary Bettman, has been so adamant that this is a successful market, that this is, this is where they want the team to be because – I agree, and I know you guys agree. Like, there's no reason why Arizona can't be as successful as Tampa or any of the other southern markets, Dallas. It it, it is a great place. It's a it's a wonder. Players want to come there. People want to live there. You can't say that about every team in the NHL. There's teams that have a hard time getting free agents. There's there's places that have won Stanley Cups that aren't easy for players to sign in. So to me, I, I just I get excited when I think that they're getting down the road. And as you said, it's still a long ways to go, but there's a lot of people who are putting a lot of effort into making sure that this franchise gets down the next to the next step. And and I really just hope they do because uh, you know no matter where I end up, I see myself being back in Arizona at some point. And if it's just a fan at that point, a guy who just comes to the games, I'd like a place to come and watch hockey games. Well, Sean, from both Craig and I, 
you're one of the good ones. I mean, hockey has a lot of good people in it, and you're one of them. And thank you so much for taking the time. I'm so excited to see you at the rinks because I always see you at the rinks because you're just a hockey guy. And I'm, I'm really happy for you in your new role. Um, well, hope to see you at, at I was going to say Gila River, Craig. I almost said Gila River. We'll see you in Tempe if I can get a ticket. Thank you, Craig, to help me out. Thanks again, Sean, for taking time out of your, your busy schedule. And, and we'll look forward to seeing you around the rinks. And hopefully we get you back on the show when, when Vegas rolls into town. Anytime, guys. Always a pleasure. Good luck to you, and I uh, enjoy the rest of the summer. We'll see you after, after the summer. Thanks, Thanks Sean. Great chatting with you. I am still on mute. Oh, I'm not. Okay. Special thanks to Sean Burke for taking some time out of his day yesterday to talk to you guys. Really great stuff. Great insight on, you know, being a goalie coach and what it takes to give these players confidence. That's really he. That's really what it's all about. He was great. And when I did say it there, he is one of the good ones. And he was he was great here as a goalie. He was great here as a goalie coach. He's a good guy to have in the room. He's a good coach. He's a good manager. He's just a good guy to have involved with the organization. I do have to say this, though, Leah. I do need to spit the marbles out of my mouth. There were a couple times there I just... <laughs> during that interview, I'm going, I had to watch it over again. That's painful. Like, will you shut <laughs> up? <laughs> Who is that guy? He can't talk. Why do they let him on the air? Anyway, oh no, it was a really good interview. He's a good guy and, and and so glad he came on and spent some time on our show. And, and I know he'll be back again um, as the season gets closer. I also think it's interesting that he has had so many different roles, scout, management, et cetera. But he, he's coming back to being a goalie coach. So I think that's really cool. And it kind of speaks to how much that particular role means to him. And it's also always great to get um, someone's perspective on hockey in the desert as well and even though it won't be arizona he'll still be in the desert and i think that's great also um people watching on youtube might see that craig morgan is no longer on the screen um craig had to run but uh we will wrap it up here because we gotta get going we got stuff to do tomorrow though we got tons of stuff to do tomorrow and a scheduling note everyone um we will not be live at 11 a.m tomorrow anymore it will be a 12 o'clock show tomorrow because we have a Bill Armstrong press conference yeah, to attend, kind of, yeah, by the phone, just a pre-draft press conference. So we'll be going live at noon on the PHNX Sports YouTube channel instead, and we'll recap what was said in there. We'll talk about some pre-draft stuff because, I mean, from it, the NHL draft, PD is one week from today. I know, like I know. one week from today. Yep, and this is the beginning of the beginning. That's what we keep saying about this team for Arizona. I mean, you got the third overall pick. You got three in the first round. You got eight in the first three, seven in the first 45. I mean, this is a big deal for Arizona Coyote fans for the future. So the draft is a big deal. And because Bill is going to speak to it tomorrow, we had to push the show back an hour so we get some of his comments on the show. And I think it's going to be, I don't think he's going to come out and say, hey, we're taking so-and-so in the third (laughs) pick. But it will give some of his philosophy going into the next week and what their expectations are. Because I tell you what, once that gets done, then it's rookie development camp. And then honestly, before you know it, we will be heading down, down the road to tucson for the the preseason game so it's really exciting time the draft is going to be exciting i don't say that often because it's usually okay we know who we're gonna you know who number one is you know who number two is you could probably pick the first 10 this year you can't like honestly we'll talk a lot more about that tomorrow on how the different the, the, the people are predicting the differences in the top five even you're gonna have to tune in tune in next week i'll be there i'll be there at to four peaks in tempe on 8th street oh, starting yeah. at 4 p.m actually we're gonna start about 3 45 we may kick once i'm there and i've got my kilt lifter port i might as well get on air so <laughs> exactly i know so i'm looking forward to it. it's gonna be a lot of fun i had a great time there yesterday chicken fingers elite amazing sean oh my would say they were elite i don't know do you know that's real chicken i don't know if you have the chicken what fingers you- they're real chicken like it's not like a chicken nugget or chicken that was unbelievable no it was so good it, it was oh craig i i was kind of giving craig a hard time for hyping Elite. them up so much but they lived up to the hype they really yeah, did. they were great um so great food great drinks and you'll get food and drink specials when you come to the draft party next week as well as giveaways we'll have some special guests um calling in and in-house hopefully and um get your tickets now at gophnx.com in the events tab or check out our twitter page as well for more information on the draft party we hope to see you there it's going to be so much fun um and thank you all by the way to everyone who came out yesterday we met a lot of coyotes fans a lot of listeners of this show um so it's really great chatting with everyone and meeting people
people in person. We're going to be at Four Peaks the last Wednesday of every single month. So you can kind of start planning ahead. Oh, that could be a work from home That's day. Literally, what? I didn't know that was a thing. Oh. Nobody tells me anything. <laughs> That's what happened. You were on the road for two months. That's a thing. That's great. Yep. Every Wednesday. Oh, every, every last, last, last Wednesday, Wednesday of the month. And there were people yesterday who were literally working from home. Um, at <laughs> yeah, that came to. I mean, working like from high. Four Peaks on their laptop. So. Yep. I did it yesterday. You can too. So that'll be going on. Um, I enjoyed some amazing Four Peaks brews yesterday. Um, and as a reminder, that's 21 and over just to enjoy the drinks. You can still come down to Four Peaks. It's still a restaurant um, for both the draft party and those last Wednesdays and anytime. But to drink 21 and over and enjoy responsibly as well. And speaking of the draft, tons and tons and tons of draft content on the website at gophnx.com. Craig has um, written some articles on potential sleeper picks for the coyotes or just even prospects to be aware of um, that will probably go in the top 10 next week we also have prospect video breakdowns that drop this week and more coming next week and then later today an exclusive interview with barrett hayton coyotes first round draft pick craig and pd have been catching up with all the coyotes first round draft picks of you know recent notable Coyotes first round draft picks. Um, and all of those things I just said are for members only behind the paywall. So become a member today. Join the family. Get a shirt from the locker when you sign up for an annual membership. Or just try your first month 50 cents if you want to give it a shot. Um, this is a great time to become a member for Coyotes coverage because we have a ton of it. Even though it's the offseason, it's not really the offseason for the Coyotes right now. This is the season happening right now. So Lots of great and fun stuff ahead, PD. Yep, I'm looking forward to it. Tomorrow will be good. We'll get. I want to hear a little bit from Bill on what's going to happen next week, and then next week it's all about the draft. It's you and Craig in Montreal. It's you and Craig traveling to Montreal, and then it's the show. So, uh, a lot going on next week at PHNX. Absolutely. So be sure to follow us on Twitter at PHNX underscore Coyotes. We'll have a ton of stuff on there as well. Um, And follow PHNX Sports across all social platforms. We'll be doing Instagram story takeovers in Montreal as well. So if you have Instagram, follow PHNX Sports there. I'm cashing in on my bet tomorrow, PD. Finally, we're all going to be here tomorrow um, for that noon show. And I will finally be eating the fake maple syrup live on the show tomorrow. So I promise. I know it's been pushed back. It's happening tomorrow. Um, It'll happen after we chat a little bit of draft and Bill Armstrong, but we'll get to some of our fun Friday stuff toward the end of the show and including that. So Petey has yet to cash in on his I know. dancing. Maybe you can dance live on the draft show. Uh, yeah, we'll see. Yeah. Well, that's after you have a few, gonna, you know what? You have have a you few se- brews. <laughs> have you seen the movie, the bubble on Netflix? What do you think? Like, but they, no, you didn't, but the, the, <laughs> there was one, one of the characters was a TikTok star and they did dances with the whole cast. And I'm like, okay, we need PHX to do that. Like, if we can pull that <laughs> off, then I'm dancing. Okay, that's enough. We will see you when we see you. I will see you. See everybody tomorrow. tomorrow. <laughs> I'll be you. eating. I'll have, the, I'll have the store brand syrup. I'm all in. Oh, my gosh. We'll see on. everyone tomorrow at noon on the PHNX Sports YouTube channel. Please like and subscribe and leave a review wherever you get your podcasts as well. Thank you so much all for listening. Thank you, Sean Burke, again for his time um, on our show. And we'll see everybody tomorrow. Enjoy the rest of your day, everyone.